This is the Small Moves Podcast with your host, Jason Hertzberger, episode 38. Who are truly heartless, the dead or the living? You're listening to the Small Moves Podcast. Small steps for big progress. With your host, Jason Hertzberger. Your next step starts now. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Small Moves Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Hertzberger. I'm really glad that you're here today. Today, I'm actually really excited for this interview. This is the second interview in my, what I'm starting to call my AAYP series. That stands for Annoyingly Amazing Young People. If you guys remember last month, uh, toward the beginning of January, I interviewed Nate Butkus, the all of seven-year-old that launched a science podcast when he was five years old and is now still two plus years later going strong. Amazing kid was on the Ellen show and all that jazz. That was the first episode in this series last month where I'm trying to find people that are highly successful in one way or another far beyond their years. Uh, They are doing things that would just sort of amaze the general populace at their age. And Nate was obviously a great case study for that last month. But this month, actually, I want to shift directions and look in a different area where last week we were talking about podcasts and science. This week, we're talking about fiction writing. And today's guest is Aiden McGath. Aiden is currently just recently 21 years old, but started the process of writing a near 500 page fantasy novel when he was 17 years old and published it last summer when he was all of 20. The The concept of writing, whether it be fiction or nonfiction, is terrifying, frankly, to most people, uh, myself included, which is one of the reasons why I am taking up a couple of writing challenges recently to sort of force myself into that mindset because it's so darn terrifying to me. I think forcing yourself to do those things is incredibly helpful. Aiden provides a lot of really great advice for both young people and adults in the area of how to squeeze a writing practice into your everyday life. I really enjoyed this conversation. He is a sophomore at UC Irvine pursuing a humanities degree and planning on being an elementary school teacher once that finishes up. Now, We had a really great in-depth conversation about his writing process and the process of how others can take up a similar habit. And I think it was really great. I really enjoyed the conversation. Aiden has a really great personality. He's really good at explaining his process in a very humorous way, frankly. So I really enjoy this chat. I hope you guys do as well. You'll hear contact information and information about his book, which is called Heartless. It's the first in a trilogy series that he's going to be writing. The You'll find out more information about the book itself in the show notes, and we do talk about it a bit during the show. But with that, without further ado, I give you Aiden McGath. Here we go. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to the Small Moves Podcast, small steps for big progress. Let's prepare to ignite. Hey, Aiden, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. 
Yeah, man, no worries. The audience got a snapshot of sort of what your elaborate background is all of 21 years old now um, (laughs) during the during the intro. But uh, if you wouldn't mind kind of getting into a little bit more of your background for the audience, just so that they know who they're going to be listening to for the next hour. Uh, Okay, sure. Um, Yeah, I'm Aiden McGath. Um, I'm 21 now and uh, uh, currently I'm in my third year of college at uh, UCI, UC Irvine. Um, But for the past four-ish years, I've been working on writing a book. Uh, So that started in uh, planning stages, started in sophomore year of high school, and then just like very, very rough planning. Whereas actual writing, I kind I think I started about halfway through junior year of high school is when I realized I actually wanted to get this done. Um, and I wrote it throughout junior year, senior year, and then finished writing um, about, I believe it was about halfway through uh, freshman year of college, so my first year of college. Okay. Um, and then the editing process is lengthy to say the <laughs> least uh so that took like an entire year and a half just to get that done and to figure out how i wanted to publish it and what in what direction i wanted to go in sure um that that definitely took a while uh but i published um my novel last june at uh, the very end of very tail end of june okay um so it's been it's been about six ish maybe a little over six-ish months since I published it. And since then, I, I took a little, like, breather from writing for uh, a couple months and then kind of got back into the swing of things as summer ended um, and as kind of work got out and the school year started back up again. Gotcha. Uh, to write a second one. Gotcha. Very cool. Now, that that is that's a the series that you're working on. It is it is a series, right? It's a trilogy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm writing three books. Yep. Gotcha. Eventually. Yeah. What now? What? <laughs> yeah, like sometimes maybe sometime maybe you're, before you're my age, you'll get the third one out. Yeah, at some point, yeah, yeah. we'll get the third one out. Yeah, it'll yeah, take that, a little while. And that and that book was Heartless, right? Heartless is the name. Yes. Yeah. So wh- where where did you where did you get the idea for it? I I guess is a, okay. Is a good place to start. Yeah, 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 that is a good question. Um, it's an interesting little story. So, uh, I w- I went to an interesting high school. Um, we did a lot of like project based stuff it was a very non-traditional uh thing and sophomore year of high school in uh i think it was the first semester we um our our teacher had us do a um a project where basically for um it was about like 45 minutes of our two-hour class period Mm -hmm. um most days we'd dedicate and this this went for like went for like six weeks or something like that we just dedicate time to doing something that we felt was productive to our interests and to our personal lives. Um, and since I found that in high school, I generally didn't have enough time to write fiction. We were, we were writing, you know, nonfiction, we were writing essays, essays and, and book reports and book reports, the old, the old classic. Yeah. Yeah. And while that's interesting to me, cause I love to write, it sure. wasn't quite the same as fiction, which is kind of my bread and butter. So I figured I'd write a fiction story. Uh, and I wrote it. It ended up being something like um, 45 pages or something like that. But by the time I was done, which is a really long, short story. Sure. Yeah. Um, but it was it wasn't something that we necessarily had to um, perfect. It was just we, we had to be consistently putting in effort and work. 
Sure. Um, and I felt I'd done that, but I, I read it over and um, what I saw was mainly, mainly issues I had with it. I was like, ah, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. Of we we got to yeah. cut this. We got to rewrite this. Um, <laughs> and I figured if I truly cared that much about it and if I'd already written so much, um, sure. I could rethink things, draft out like an actual plot line and write it into a book. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that, I would say that's how it is. It started out as kind of a, a, a pseudo-ish school project and then kind of evolved from there where i was like all right this is we've turned it we've turned in the project that's over this is this is on my time it's on my dime now um not gonna have it associated with school in any way well i don't i don't know about the high school that you went to but i'm sure especially on a self-directed project something that got to 45 pages of writing for for any teacher that teaches the high school level today, he's like they're probably pulling teeth to get kids to get ten pages <laughs> in, in a book yeah. report. So they they're probably like, "Holy crap!" Like this kid's like banged out forty five pages without me hitting him with a cattle prod. Like, yeah, let's, mm-hmm. you know, let's let's get let's <laughs> let's encourage this a little bit. Yeah. Now you mm-hmm. said you said you mentioned something there that I wanted to dig into. You you mentioned you know you were writing the essays and the book reports and you know whatnot. No nonfiction stuff, but fiction was more your thing. You're you're saying this in you know your voice of a high schooler, like yeah. How what fiction were you writing at the time, or how long had you been writing fiction um, up to that time? Oh man! And in sort of what form? Like, have you always just been a writer? That's a, that's a good one. Um, like, where, where does that come from? Well, ever since I was a, a kid and I learned how to read, I've always wanted to write a book. It's kind of been my my dream and I never really wanted to write a a nonfiction book. I mean don't get me wrong, I, I love there's a lot of really great nonfiction books to read, both ones that are story based and ones that are kind of information sure. um based. Yeah. Uh but that was never kind of the, the style of writing I felt I was any good at. I'm I'm not sure. I mean I'm not particularly good at writing like long form nonfiction. I could write an essay here I could write an essay sure. or a book report or something like that. Um sure. but fiction I've just been writing on and off as a hobby here and there like an idea will pop into my head and as a kid and i'd write i don't know like five pages and they'd, they'd be terrible it'd be mostly dialogue and almost no description um <laughs> <laughs> be a lot of action and not a lot of character mm-hmm. um but in high school i uh yeah in high school um i started writing a lot more and started trying to, to hone and both like tone down on um the like excessive um i don't know it's uh, just the excess i tended to write at and also tone down on length to be able to be more concise and tell things in less using less words and less pages okay um just because I, I enjoyed it i enjoyed writing uh but i had never attempted something so singularly massive before um so that was a it was daunting but yeah i i I've been writing fiction for a while and something I just have genuinely enjoyed most of my life. Got it. So before, before you got to writing heartless, what was the, Mm. what was the favorite thing that you wrote before that? Can you remember? Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like asking you to pick which one of your children you like the best. I'm I'm sure, I'm sure that, but you Mm. know, uh, it's a good one. Um, 
a freshman year of high school, I believe, I wrote a. Uh, I was it was a uh, we had a an assignment for class where we had to write a science fiction story, but we had to also use um like use actual science. It was like a combination between a physics class and an English class. God forbid. Um, so we had use to use actual science. <laughs> it was it was that was intense. I'm not a it's science hard, guy so, at yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> so we had to use like actual science, and I thought that was a really interesting um trial for me because i'm not uh, not really a science dude i enjoy science but not when it gets to that kind of a high level of sure. like physics that that's where they start to lose me mm. um but we had to write a science fiction story with that so i think i wrote a story about it was about robots and i used some kind of like quantum computing or something like that i i can't remember it now but at the time i thought it was really cool that i could actually somehow manage to get that into my uh my little short story, and that one was also I suffer from the same issue I've always suffered from, which is I write things that are way too long, uh, and that ended up being like twenty pages, and the assignment called for like six. Oh so my gosh! I had to turn it in. I was like, "There's no way. There's like, no way I can cut fourteen pages from this." Yeah, Just it's take like it. it's like screw it. I'm done. Just yeah, <laughs> give me give me whatever grade I'm gonna get. I'm sorry I went over. Hopefully it wasn't awful. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, no, I I I recently uh, reread a book called on writing by Stephen King. Like, oh, that's a great book. It's a wonderful book. Yeah. Like, I mean, he I gets, like, his, I mean, his, his, his anecdotes from his time writing were amazing enough coming from an incredible storyteller, you know, but also getting into grammar and sentence and paragraph structure. Yeah, but course, just, yeah. it, was, it was an amazing, it was just an amazing book. Yeah. I remember one point that he brought out in there was in one of his first, rejection letters that he got well no it, it it wasn't a rejection letter it was like he got it got accepted and then the magazine that was going to print it went bankrupt so they sent out letters to everybody saying sorry oops um but included in that letter was the was basically an equation where he said it was like very good material but fluffy Mm. remember remember this equation second draft equals first draft minus 10 percent and he's like ever since then that's been stuck in my brain he's like well now now when he edits like he edits down and he's like there are Mm -hmm. some people there are some people that edit up and they're like oh i realized i missed something oh i realized i missed something oh i realized i missed something and you'll keep adding where it sounds like you're sort of the same mindset where you just when going through the editing process you want to cut down yeah i try to be at least uh i i I find it's best to just write everything and not not delete anything, not delete any words or any sentences. Because the point, I, I think the point of the first draft is for it to be absolutely terrible, but mm-hmm. to be on paper and be yep. on paper just as quick as you can get it out of your head. Yep. Which means you got to get some kind of regimen mm-hmm. going. With me, it's usually, if um, uh, if school's in session, I try to do 500 words a night. Okay. Um, whereas during the summer when school's out and I'm just working, Mm-hmm. Um, then I, I do a thousand cause it's, it's a little easier to manage without having other writing assignments to do at the exact same time. Sure. Um, now, yeah, wait, oh, no, go for it. No, I was going to say, so for, so on, on a relatively busy day, 500 words on a, on a more relaxed day, tar- yeah, a target for yeah. a th- target for a thousand words. Mm-hmm. 
How long does it take you to write 500 words? Now, granted, you're oh, you're boy. you're a pra- you're more of a practiced writer than probably most of the people that are listening to this show. So mm-hmm. I'm sure you could conceivably just brain barf out 500 words faster than someone that's starting from scratch with like a yeah. basic, a basic blog or whatever. But like, is what is that? Is that a 20 minute exercise for you? Is that two hours? God forbid. Like what? Well, when I started out, it it was. Probably close to an hour, I would imagine. Okay. Like it, it took it took a little bit when I first started out, just because I I didn't know. Um, I the the book is written from the like uh, the first person perspective of three different characters, so it took me a while to kind of get into how each of them would speak and like how I would differentiate three first person perspectives. Um, sure. But I'm now sure. that I know that, and that, that's just kind of ingrained in my head now, and I'll, I have all the little tricks to make them sound different, mm-hmm. it just, it, it takes me like 30-ish minutes, maybe a little bit less, depending on how, um, like, depending on what I'm, what I'm writing. If it's mostly dialogue, then it, it'll take me a little bit longer. Okay. Because I have to make it sound realistic. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> But if it's if it's mostly description, it'll take me a little less than thirty minutes these days. I'll just kind of power on through it and be like, "All right, let's go eat." <laughs> yeah, it's so fun. It's so funny when when you talk about writing dialogue because I, I I read I read a ton. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say I read more nonfiction than fiction, but I do read fiction. And in some of the fiction that I read, and even in some very well known books that are out there, like you, you read the dialogue sections of these books, it's like. He said, and then she said, "Like, my who the hell talks like this? It's like, it's like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like human. It's like, like higher primates don't communicate like this. Like, where yeah. did they get that? Like, they were just. It's like, okay, he said, then she said, then he said, then she said, then he said. Like, there were no cut, cutting each other off. There was yeah, no, no, no. Like, I'm like, what? No interrupting. Where? There's no. There's no raising voices. There's no whispering. Yeah. Like people, people, people don't." talk to each other perfectly smoothly every time like they just agree they like hold up hands to shut each other up yeah <laughs> no it's funny now out of, out of curiosity for for for, sure. heart, for heartless you mentioned you know, it's it's in the first person from the perspective of three different characters i'm i'm imagining i'm imagining a scene where all three of the people are in the same room and you're trying to write first person all at the same time do your characters ever meet in the same That's, scene in those in your book that so they meet up at the, the very end of the book and then the second book that I'm writing right now is told from the perspective of all three characters and what I generally try to do is I try that that's been difficult I wasn't sure exactly how I was gonna do that sure but I figured the the best way to do it is to rotate chapters mm. which is what I was doing in the last one um, so each chapter would be an individual character and would say it says at the start of the chapter like this chapter is Dirk like Dirk speaking the whole chapter got it um, so for this one uh, generally I'll tell like a whole event from one character's perspective and you can kind of get what they assume the other two are thinking. And then in the other two's chapter, you get like the very tail end of that same encounter mm-hmm. and you'll understand what they're thinking on. And it's usually the complete opposite of what the other two characters are thinking because they don't, I mean, they just met. So they obviously don't get along sure. too well. Um, but I, I try to kind of stagger it a little, I guess, wherein, You'll get kind of um, one character's perspective on something, and then the tail end of that same encounter, you'll get 
the second character's perspective, and then the third character will link into the tail end of that chapter. Um, uh, g- generally, got it. Yeah, do it that way. How did how did you decide to do it that way? Like I'd be just mm-hmm. from my perspective again, non-seasoned writer standing yeah. standing here. When I'm writing something in the first person of multiple people, there's not a chance in hell that I would ever try to get them all in the same room together because I just <laughs> understand how to handle. It. Like, what is that? Is that strategy the way that you're doing it? Is that a commonly used way of doing it in the fiction world, or is that something where basically you read that in a book? Or did you just sort of figure that out on your own? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, I read a lot. I, I obviously read a lot of fantasy novels because I wrote one. Um, and I, I, I didn't really, I didn't want to write third in third person. I'm, I'm not exactly sure why, but it didn't necessarily appeal me appeal to me for this um, particular book. Maybe maybe in the future I'll, I'll probably write a book in third person. Um, but a lot of the uh, careful, don't mess with a good thing. That's true. That's true. That's a good point. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Um, but a lot of uh, a lot of both science fiction and fantasy books that tell from the perspective of multiple characters, even if they're in third person, kind of use this staggering technique, mm-hmm. wherein you the two chapters might even be the exact same events, just from two characters' different perspectives, mm-hmm. um, and. Even though it's the same events, the fact that the their difference in opinion and difference in like their perspective is sure. so vast, it can make the chapter completely different for readers. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of them do that, even in third person. So it's a little, it's a little kind of easier uh, to understand for readers in third person because they they don't need to kind of guess at who's who's speaking and. Um, yeah, they don't really need to guess at who's speaking. And if they forget what chapter it is, they don't have to kind of like flip all the way back. But ideally, you can – an author can write from first person um, and get the kind of mannerisms and characteristics of the character and their voice so um, like personal to them mm-hmm. that – the audience can just be reading and understand who's speaking just based on how the first person is written. Sure, the tone. Which was, which was it? Yeah, the tone. Which which was an exercise. That was that was interesting to figure out. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Like if you if you're right if you're writing up a scene that's happening at a grocery store, one char- one character's a biker that's coming that's coming in looking for beer. The other one is uh, you know a hundred. He's like a hundred pound you know twenty year old girl that works in the floral department. When you hear, <laughs> w- when you start writing their dialogue, you should as a reader be able to tell which one's talking. And yeah. That, you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. Now, Based on their different opinion, yeah. Yeah. Now, the main char- your main characters that you wrote in this particular book, mm-hmm. how close are they to people that you actually know? Or did did you is it is everything complete fantasy? Like I always there there's a root in a lot of fiction where there's something that's going on in that story that connects to the real life of the author. Not everything is so far out there into the fantasy world that there's literally you're, you're, you're writing a book from something that you're seeing in binoculars, you know, a thousand miles away. Like there, there's like, is there, are there character traits in some of the people that are in this book? I've any of the three main characters or even any of the ancillary characters, or Mm -hmm. is this just complete off the, you know, off the wall? (laughs) 
everything, everything's made up. All the traits and characters are made up. Uh, that's actually a really good question. Uh, I'll be um, really, I'll be really nice and not ask who the people are. Yeah. That you're not going to refer to. <laughs> um, um, but in general, I think that um, different pieces of each of the three main characters refer to um, me in a sense. I tried to put a bit of myself into each of them. Sure. Um, they're not very similar people at all. Uh, one of them, Dirk, is kind of a is kind of a gruff guy, and he he's loud and makes a lot of horrible jokes and <laughs> curses a lot. And that's a bit of me um, in a nutshell. It's kind of my sense of humor uh, is loud and punny and just awful to hear. Yeah, that, was, um, that, that was punny. <laughs> yeah. And uh, um, the Carbool, who's a, a, he's, he's a kid, he's 17, kind of represents, I suppose, my own insecurities in being an author because as the youngest of the group he's constantly having to deal with both him him not himself not feeling he's up to the task and other sure. people not feeling he's up to the task um and then the last one nim is probably the least like me um and i've just kind of based her off of a lot of um a lot a lot of people i know who are kind of extremely determined and hard-nosed and they know exactly what they want and they're going to just burn for it and get it. And that's a lot of people I know at school in general. Mm. Uh, you find that a lot of the, the STEM majors, all the science and mathematics <laughs> majors are yeah. very much like that. Whereas us, us English majors are kind of, we're kind of relaxed. We go with the flow. Um, we're not as like supremely dedicated. And that's, that's kind of what I, I based her on is that mindset of I'm going to, get what I want to get done and there's nothing that's going to stand in my way. Got it. That's um, so yeah, I would say uh, they're, they're a bit, bit based on me um, here and there kind of their, their both their um, good qualities and their insecurities. Got it. Um, yeah. The, the, the story itself though was just, it's, I don't know. Generally when people, they, when people read the book, they could say, this is, this is about 200% uh, a story we'd expect you to write, Aiden, because it's, it's got a lot of action. It's got a lot of heart. It's got some good jokes here and there. And, yeah, the story itself is just something I'd wanted to write for a while. That's The story itself isn't, isn't really based on too much of my own personal life. Got it. Now, the you and I, you and I just so that the audience knows, you and I initially connected – uh, through a mutual friend, uh, yes. Coach Coach Azul Tarones, yeah. who, who if if uh, audience, if you're listening, if you were listening to this show back around when the show started, I interviewed Azul in episode ten of the show, and he is an author coach. He works with people that are pros prospectively writing books and sort of helps walk them through the process of doing that, seemingly either both fiction and nonfiction. Um, he, he seems to work with people in sort of both of those categories. I've met some people that he's worked with in the nonfiction category. And obviously, as you're as you're hearing, you know, young Aiden here uh, worked with him <laughs> on, on the fiction side. At what point at what point in the process of writing the book did you solicit help at all and then end up sort of working with like at the at your first point of needing help? Did you pick up the phone and call Azul because you knew him or mm. did you get to a certain part in the process and say, okay, I need some help here. And then you start looking at 
agents or online courses or teachers, and then you happen to stumble on to working with him? Like, how did that, how did that process happen? Okay. Um, well, so I, I, I started looking for help after I'd finished my own editing and, um, generally I, I finished writing and I had to do my own editing. So I, I think I went to like FedEx or Kinko's or something like that. And I printed out just like the whole thing. It was this massive binder and I went through it like pen and paper, highlighter, red pen, just edited the, edited the crap out of it. Ah, the red, pen. um, the red pen. Yeah, it was great. Uh, so I got that done and then I, I edited the, the actual thing like three or four times, which when it's, it ended up being like a 450 page book. So there's a lot of edits and I ended up cutting out like, God, I must, I must've cut out like 20 something thousand words from the whole document by the time it was done, which was essential because it just cut down on all the fat and it left just the, just exact kind of exactly what I felt it needed. Sure. Um, but the 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 what I'd written and the story itself had been so ingrained in my head for so long. I was like, "There's nothing more I can do here. Yeah. I need an actual professional editor who's paid to do this to help me out with this." Um, and at that point, I was still bouncing around between whether I wanted to um, whether I wanted to publish traditionally, so through a, a, an agent and a publishing house, or whether I wanted to self-publish. Sure. So I sent out. Your classic, you know, 50 query letters to uh, assorted agents. And, I mean, it's incredibly difficult to get an agent. Um, it generally takes, like, years of emailing mm -hmm. to get an actual agent because you have to get that kind of perfect holy trinity of they have free time, they like your work, and they also are willing to take the multi-thousand dollar risk to publish it. Sure. And a lot of the time... They have enough clients already or they're already overbooked on clients and then they're like, your book doesn't really fit exactly my personal taste. Sure. It doesn't have X and it doesn't have X and it does have Y, which I don't really like. Um, and then they also just at that point aren't willing to take the, the massive risk. So I emailed a bunch of agents and they take forever to get back to you. They take like six to eight weeks mm -hmm. and sometimes they just don't respond and that's their way of saying no. Yeah, that's, uh, that sucks. So like like, yeah. like 60% of them just didn't respond and I ended up feeling really discouraged. Um, but uh, one of my uh, closest friends um, is Azul to run as a son. Um, so he, uh, he you know, messaged me a couple times, asked how the book was going. And I was like, oh, I'm searching for agents. It's awful. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm getting through it and I figured eventually, you know, a year or two down the line, I, I get an agent I wanted. And he was like, you know, my dad just does this for a living. Like this is, this is his job. This is his business. Is he tutors people how to self-publish their book? And I was like, well, that, that's it. That's, that's, that's perfect. I, that's the solution. We've got it. Yeah. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> uh, so I, I emailed Azul and I was like, Hey, Azul, it's Aiden. Um, I'm, <laughs> publishing a book and I understand that's your forte now. Um, it's a fantasy novel. I'm not sure if you really work with fantasy author, fantasy authors and helping them self-publish, but I appreciate the help. Uh, and Azul was just, oh my God, Azul, I can't even, I can't even begin to, th I have no idea how to repay the debt I owe Azul Torona. It's like, I, I could not have published this thing on my own without him. The process is, is uh, it's not it, I wouldn't say intense, but it's a lot of very small, complicated steps, and there's a lot of 
a lot of networking that mm. as a starting out author, you just don't have. You don't have the connection to the, sure. the, to the editor. You don't have a connection. You need like two editors. You need a, a content editor and like a grammar and syntax editor. Got it. So you have to have connections to like two different editors, which I didn't have. You have to have a connection to a cover artist, which I didn't have. Um, you need to have a connection to an interior designer, which I didn't have. And Azul had all of those. Um, he had all those, and he has this awesome little online course that just tells you how to do everything in just the most concise and perfect way, and he makes it so easy to understand. Um, you Obviously, you, you have to pay him to do this, but oh my god, it was some of the, the best money I've ever spent, because sure. I could not have done this without him. But yeah, that's, that's how I got hooked up with him. I I figured um, even if he's, he doesn't normally do fantasy editing, he could probably help me out. And he ended up just rolling on through. He knew exactly how to do it. And I was like, that is impressive. I don't even know if he done uh, help like speak a little slower. I don't know if he tutored <laughs> uh, a fantasy author before, but man, he knocked it out of the park. Got it. Now, at what point did he come into the process? Like you mentioned, you started this project when you were, call it, 17. Yeah. And you published last summer at, I guess, 20? You're now 21? Uh, Yeah, it was. I was 20. Like, did he yes. come, were you still in high school, like 17, 18, when he came into it, or was this after? No, he came in, uh, he came into the, I believe at the, when did he come in? I believe he came in um, at the... Uh, he came in around summer of 2016, I think. So it was okay. right after freshman year of high school. I believe that's what he came in. And at that point, um, uh, I, I'd been emailing agents, you know, to and fro. Um, and he was like, well, why don't you keep emailing your agents and I'll kind of slowly get things set up on my end. It's like, it's not, it's not a massive rush. Um, so then... I kind of continued emailing my agents and continued doing my own editing in my own spare time, doing like my like fourth edit, I think, over the course of the summer. Um, and then by the time fall went around, I was like, okay, none of these agents have gotten back to me. Yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm all in on self-publishing. And I've been doing some reading on self-publishing. It just kind of seemed to be the route that I wanted to go in. Because sure. for me, the goal wasn't to make a ton of money yeah. off of my – book it was just to hold a physical copy of my book in my hands and be like i did it sure. i did it mom you know <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah that that actually that actually leads me to another question about the mm -hmm. the the process of writing a book because you you mentioned about an online course that azul has like i just yeah. he he does every month i know he does this five day writing challenge thing that i actually mm -hmm. just went through myself so oh, nice. i got That's i awesome. got i went through that five day process to sort of get into Sweet. the process of a writing habit and yeah. oh my god was it hard like it was like the <laughs> like the 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 big po the big point i don't want to yeah. give i, I don't want to give away the whole thing you know cuz obviously if people are listening i love them to check it out themselves That's but true. one of the one of the points that he was talking about in that process that was the hardest for me was switching off the editing brain and turning on the writer brain and when you're writing just stop editing stop spell correcting stop grammar checking stop just vomit onto the screen just figuratively hopefully but anyway yeah. the depending on how nervous you are about writing it <laughs> might be literally anyway yeah, um true. but that that process oh my god that process was hard and then i would imagine it is like 
the the point that he brought up that was so interesting is that when we're going through school, elementary, middle, high school, when we start learning to quote unquote write, we're being taught to be good editors, not necessarily good writers, because that sort of brain dumping onto the page, that process takes so much longer to come up with good content, but the content is great when it's done. That that's not that doesn't fit into an academic calendar. So we need to yeah. make sure that it just, okay, write it right the first time, maybe do some spell correcting and then you're done. I'm like, that's not how writing really works. Like that's not how great writing happens. Yeah. It's just, you know, getting your brain, getting your brain out onto the page. You mentioned about how one of the most important things about writing the book was to be able to physically hold it in your hand at the, at the end, not necessarily make any money with it. Although that would be nice. Yeah, uh, of course. The what, what what did the what did the process of writing a book like this do for you personally? Like that that's that's the fascinating thing that I find about a lot of writers is the granted I, I mentioned the Stephen King book earlier on. Mm-hmm. He did mention toward the end of that book that, you know, one of the reasons why he writes isn't necessarily for the money, it's because he loves to write. That's always great coming from someone that's had like 150 New York times, number one, best yeah, right. Yeah. And everything. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's much easier to love the work. It's much easier to love the work when royalties like that are happening. Yep. But yeah. you know, the, what, what, what was it? What was it that writing this book did for you? I mean, why, why did you, why did you want to write this book? Um, well, so the, the little like small details of my life, didn't really change like i'm still in school i'm still studying the same stuff i'm still pursuing currently the same career path which is to teach um elementary school um and i'm still working the same you know average student jobs that i've been working but it gave me a sense of pride and achievement and accomplishment that i hadn't had um because i i you know, I'm in school. I'm doing okay in school, as, as one would expect. Sure. Um, but this was something I'd done that was kind of wholly my own and that wasn't affiliated with with work. It wasn't affiliated with school. It was just something I'd done on my own time. And it's something I'd wanted to do since I was probably like seven or eight. Mm. Um, so we got an entire childhood of accumulating this want to write a book and this want to be an author. Mm. Uh, and at some point during... During my childhood, I had to eventually come to the realization that you can't just step out into the world and say, I'm going to be an author and just pray that it works. You have to have an actual an actual life in mind. And generally, you have to start being an author as kind of a, a hobby and like a passion project on the side. So you have to be really passionate about, passionate about what you're doing. And I was about Heartless. It was a story I wanted to write, and I thought it would be a really fun one for people to read. I didn't set out to write, you know, some crazy deep, uh, some crazy deep, you know, nonfiction kind of stare into the soul. I was like, no, I'm going to write a, I'm going to write a fantasy action, action novel. It's going to be, it's going to be hopefully a a speedy read. It'll be a fun read. You can just pick it up, read through it in a weekend and be like, man, that was, that was a pretty good time. And, you know, toss it down. And in the end, I, I I think I wrote that. I'm proud of what I wrote. I had a, a, great time writing it. There were a lot of struggles here and there, but in the end, the time I had writing, it was a lot of fun. Um, but these days, uh, I guess the most important thing is I could say I'm an author and I've wanted to say that for (laughs) 
God knows how long. Uh, so it feels it feels pretty great to say at long last that like, I'm an author. I, like, I did it. He's like, I'm a published author at the age. Yep. He's like at, you know, sophomore year of college. Yeah. Yeah. Not even that. Just the fact that I, I am a published author. Just it feels so good to say. Yeah. Um, no, I, I didn't even feel like anyone had to read my book. The fact that I'd done it and I'd written it mm-hmm. and that I owned a copy um, was just in, enough for me. I was like, this is this is great. The, the cover artist I did, too, honestly contributed like to half of my ego. Because the the cover artist, I didn't have anything to contribute to that. I wrote like a little like half page blurb, and they sent back this nuts cover, and I was like, "Oh my god, wow, yeah, this I'm, is actually happening." Yeah, I'm looking at the cover. I'm looking at the cover art right now. It's beautiful. They did a, they did a great job. Yeah, I I have no idea how that came from the the horrible little one one page blurb I sent them, but <laughs> man, God, it is nuts. Yeah. And that, that's, and that's a trait, that's a trait that you see in good artists that mm-hmm. that's just amazing. The, whether, whether it be a poet where the, the message that's, that is to be conveyed is multiple pages and then they can distill it down to two sentences or the other way around where like in this case, you should, you know, you send them a sentence and they come up with this incredible three dimensional yeah. with, with the cat, with the castle and the, the castle and right? the people and the fighting and the bird and the whatever. It just, yeah, like, it's insane. It's like, there's no way you describe the image that I'm looking at no. in, in one cent in a sentence or two. Like you just, you can't like, there's just mm-hmm. no way to convey what the imagery and the feel that, 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 that cover art conveys in a short description. Yeah, no, it is. It's, yeah. It's incredible. Oh my like, God. Watching, watching artists like that work is just amazing. Yeah. It's, I mean, writing is one thing, but art like that is just crazy, especially going off just so little, yeah. like the amount of planning I had to do to, to, to write even like the smallest essay is absurd. And then this artist was just like, all right, I got my little half page blur. Gotcha. I'm going to bust out this, you know, beautiful work of art i'm like man and how, yeah that really really kills me how, how quick did he get get you back this this version of the artwork it was it was pretty speedy mm-hmm. um it was within i mean generally you allot them like a, a month or so but i think it was sure. within like three ish weeks and they had other other you know art to do at the same time iteration sure, um, yeah but like it was it was pretty quick i i can't remember the exact timing i think it was about three ish weeks which is fast and was this was this the first iteration or was this? Yeah, yeah, okay. it was the first iteration because it's you have to make the the making and designing a cover is a pain in the butt. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> you have to know the exact page count of the book and on what kind of paper it's on, so you can get the width of the the spine ex- like perfectly exact. So you have to have the book completely edited and internally formatted and everything before the cover art can be like finalized. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, well, what? Tell me, what does the what does the page count have to do with the cover? Uh, I, I, well, understand, the, I understand the spine, but why not the co- why the cover? Well, because the 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 uh, cover itself has to be made into a, a for the printers that's made into a PDF document, mm-hmm. um, and the PDF document has to be the the back cover, the spine, and the front cover oh. all in one spread. So you have to have the spine's exact thickness in the middle. Um, Generally, a couple pages here and there is is fine, sure. but if there's a difference of like ten to twenty pages, that is pretty significant because it'll like warp the the mm-hmm. spines. You have to it's this the the 
finality of the editing process is this kind of jumble where everything happens in like a week and everything happened for me in a week. Like the edits were finally done and I was like, okay, here you go, interior designer. And they sent me that and I'm getting stuff set up with the printers. And then at the exact same time, the cover artist is finalizing the, the thing. So you're kind of juggling it all at once. And then it just ends one day and you get a you get your your proof copy uh, so you can edit it through. And you're like, oh, my God, that was the most exhausting week of my life. It was nuts. Um, Absolutely nuts. Something that you just said remind me, re- um, refresh something that you mentioned at the very beginning of this this portion of the conversation about you know you didn't know the copy editors or the content editors or the interior designers or whatever. I just b- breezed past it because I figured it was something else. But when you said interior designer, I envisioned the person that came in and redesigned your living room, so that for <laughs> maybe for the vid- for the video interviews you were going to be doing on like a virtual book tour. And like when you just said it in the context of an interior designer, I'm like, oh, that's what he meant. It's I, the yeah. I'm just, an idiot. Just to, to, to clarify for <laughs> listeners, interior designer is the the person who uh, takes your your word document manuscript um, and formats it into actual actual book pages with like chapter headers and chapter numbers, and they put your name on the top of the top of the page, and they get the right font and they get the right margins, and the right margins are. Right, Mars is pretty. That's pretty important. I tried to do it myself, and it was just the worst thing I've ever made in my life. Uh, and I was like, "All right, nope, we're gonna get a professional to do this." It was a mistake for me to even think that I could try. Uh, this is not what I'm cut out to do. I'm not a designer. I stick to my guns. Got it. Yeah, just yep. stick to vomiting on the page and leave the leave the st- yep. rest of the stuff. We'll leave to- the act. Yep, we'll leave it. I'll just pay actual actual professionals to do this for me. It's- yeah. We'll support them instead of me yeah. trying to do it on my own and failing. Yeah, that's, all, that's <laughs> awesome. Now, out of curiosity, for for people that are listening to this, like I mentioned, I mentioned in the intro, obviously that you know I, I'm interviewing you because you're one, you're a fantastic person to talk to, but also specifically because you've done this at an age that's let's just yeah. call it unusually young for initial for initial publishing, you know, something of this magnitude. For for people that are listening, or whether it be for the parents of children that are listening, or yeah. kids that are listening themselves, like what? How do you figure this out? Like, how did you figure out or find the time and inclination to do this? Because obviously, when you were in high school, sitting sitting around every spare minute and writing a book was just one of let's just call it several things that you could be doing yeah. with your free time when you're in high school, mm-hmm. you chose, you chose to write this. What, how, like what, 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 what compromises did you have to make to make this work? What made you think that that was worth it? Like, why did you mm-hmm. choose to write a book instead of chess and science and football and math and, ex- yeah. and massively excessive dating and, like, <laughs> oh, every, you know, yeah. every, everything else that comes along with your average high school and especially freshman year of college life. Mm-hmm. Like what, why, why did you do this? And for people that are listening, like what can they do to try and squeeze in similar things, whether it be writing a book or whatever that hobby or interest is that they want to try and dedicate time to. Nobody has time. You were able to find time in one of the busiest ages of your life. How? Yeah. Uh, well, I think, I think whether you're a teenager or you're a young adult or you're an a- actual adult, no matter what, you're kind of always going to be pressed for time when it comes to writing books. So whether you're, you're in high school and you've got all the, the different 
activities, we'll say, that you mentioned going on, um, or whether you're in college and you have, you know, classwork and actual work and, you know, your, your outside life with friends and extracurricular activities going on, or whether, you know, you, you have a family and you have um, a full-time job pressing down on you. Um, no matter what, you're always going to feel like you're pressed for time. But in reality, I found that I wasn't. And I think it's because I, I chopped writing it up into just like a thousand tiny little 500 word pieces. Mm. And that's really all you need to write. And it'll feel like you're getting, you're getting nowhere at times because you're only writing 500 words a night. Um, for a nonfiction book, that's actually a decent percentage of the book because those don't, those don't end up being usually more than like fifty to sixty thousand words. Mm. But for me, my final the, the final book is around like one hundred thirteen thousand words. So writing only five hundred words a night feels really slow at first, sure. but it's also manageable. Like by the time I had it down, it only took me half an hour. So I'd sit down generally before dinner because that would mean I'd finish faster because I'd want to eat. <laughs> um, so generally, I'd sit down before dinner and I'd just crank out a half hour of writing. And that usually ended up being 500 words, give or take a few, depending on where I ended sentences and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and in reality, it, it it sounds like it'll take a lot of time. And it takes a lot of time in the sense that it takes like many days, mm-hmm. but not that it takes a lot of your days. So if you have just a spare half hour to an hour at the very end of your day like whether it's whether it's after you get home from class and you finish dinner and you finish homework and you've still got that um you, you've still got that like hour or two before you go to bed mm. you can crank out you can crank out your 500 words or whether it's after you put your kids to bed and um uh i'm spacing out after you put your kids to bed and uh um you have that kind of like golden hour where you're like i I, i've got i could could watch tv i could you know maybe do a little little bit of cleaning instead you could sit down for half an hour to an hour and just write and honestly the the getting into the the regimen of the mindset of it doesn't matter how um how much time it takes me what matters is how long it takes me each day because you don't write like two three thousand words a day every day because you're going to get burnt out and you're not going to want to write anymore but just writing 500 words a day i think is what made me realize that i could do it because it wasn't taking away from my uh my life i suppose um i think i think anyone who wants to write a book and truly feels like they have an idea for a book in their mind Mm -hmm. should set out and try and do it yeah um most of the books that don't get published are just because people don't think they can do it. Yeah. I think they, I think they should. I think they should give it a shot. Yeah. What, what did I, what did I say? What was a quote that I saw one time is that the, it was like the, the rich, the richest, like the highest valued real estate in the world are graveyards because they're filled with the hopes and dreams and great oh. ideas of all the people that oh. died without putting them out to the world. Man. Yeah. That's that, a good quote. Wow. Yeah. That was a, uh, that, that was when I, when I first heard that, that was, a, that was a kind of sit down in my chair and was like, Oh, huh? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, the, um, 
the I, and I like I like your idea of sort of chunking it down, especially to maybe 500 words a day, because you know just do the math. That's 500 words a day is 15,000 words a month. You know, yep. your average, that's- like your average typical nonfiction book. If you've got an idea for a nonfiction book, I mean that's three to four months, and you're mm-hmm. finished a nonfiction book. You can write, you can write these books that you see on airport shelves that you walk past every day. Exactly. Yes. You you can churn it. You can churn out two of them a year at the rate of 500 words. Yeah. Yeah. At the rate of 500 words a day. So no, that's great. In your, in your case, you know, with a, with that, with that, that's more like a year to 10 years. Yeah. Um, but, (laughs) but, uh, Yeah, unfortunately, that's accurate. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And there lies the issue. Um, so for for people for people that are li- for people that are listening, like me, who are parents, like mm. I I assume I assume you weren't you know scrounging around in dumpsters as a baby and figuring all this stuff out on your own. I imagine no, no, that not. that reading and writing was something that was at least relatively well fostered by your parents. Yeah. Like what, what did your parents do that, that allowed you, I guess, to be able to spend the time and to show the interest in, in reading and writing like what you had? Cause obviously that's something, that's not something that just sort of comes like that. That's something yeah. that needs to be encouraged by parents, you know, by parents or good teachers or whatever it might be. But like what, what, what stuff did your parents do that sort of enabled you to be able to write or to spend that time writing that people like me who have young kids that are like, you know what, I may have screwed up and I never got into it. And yes, I'd eventually like to do it maybe, but at the very least, I want to try to encourage my kids to be able to be able to express, express themselves in print, whatever that means. Like what, what did your parent, what was so great about what your parents did that let you do this? Well, uh, from, from a super young age, um, my parents read to me every night um, until I finished elementary school, essentially. Um, and I had a little brother as well. So he and um, my dad and I, and occasionally my mom if she wanted to drop in. Uh, but I mean, they were, we usually read boy books. Um, we read like the, the Percy Jackson and Harry Potter and that kind of stuff. And that really wasn't her wasn't her uh, her mo uh so she'd she'd occasionally drop it but we would read as a family together um and i think just reading every night and having books read to me is what helped foster the um uh the the, the love for literature and for writing and reading that i have um and partly a part of what makes a uh, a successful writer i think is reading a ton um uh, and I think my parents fostered that in me. But additionally, when I came around to eventually writing um, my book, I, I originally didn't didn't really want to tell anyone because I was worried that I wouldn't finish it and that then I'd be the guy who's been boasting for two years about writing a book and, and never actually did it. it. Yeah. Um, but eventually I kind of realized that I should tell people about this. I, I should let them know. Um, and the fact that I let them know then holds me accountable for doing it. Yeah. Cause if I don't do it, I've been bragging for two years and I look like a schmuck. So um, it was like, so now, so now, okay, I'm not going to publish that book. So damn, now I need to go out and get all new friends who didn't know. Pretty much. Yeah. All new <laughs> like, friends. And like, I need to un, 
undisappoint my family. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, but my, my parents were super supportive throughout the whole process, but also they, uh, they support me, you know, they, they'd ask how the book was going and I'd let them know, oh, so-and-so is going on or I'm in the editing process. You know, I'm halfway through a draft. I finished one whole character. Um, and, but I, I think it was, was also kind of doubly important to that is during the writing process, they didn't, they didn't micromanage me mm-hmm. or tr- try to control how I was writing the process. They were, they were great. I, I mean, I, I love my parents. My parents are two of the, two of the best people I know. Um, but they didn't, they didn't micromanage me. They didn't try to, to tell me how uh, no one did. No one told me how I should be writing it. They just were like, if you need help, let us know. We're, uh, we're excited doing this. We're also a little shocked. This seems very difficult. Good luck. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they, they were super supportive throughout the whole time. Um, and just throughout my whole childhood, they fostered this kind of love for reading and for writing in me. Um, and this kind of seemed like the natural culmination of that. So they were, yeah, they were incredibly supportive. They asked, asked questions is really key even though sometimes it'd be a little kind of embarrassed response because i was a little secretive with my work um but asking asking questions was great because it showed that someone other than myself had a genuine interest in what i was writing and that just helped further my desire to get it done so people could read it got it super cool yep yeah aiden i think that's a pretty solid place to wrap up um sweet the one question that i've got for you Mm. that that i ask all the guests on this show is getting back to the concept of what the small moves podcast is about, which is just trying to find small little incremental things that can compound and improve that area as well as maybe other areas of your life, you know, given, given time to prosper. Like the question that I've got for you is what purchase have you made in recent memory, re- recent being a relative term for 21-year-olds? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> what what purchase have you made in recent memory of $100 or less mm-hmm. that's had the biggest impact on your life that you can recall? Do you have any good ideas for something yeah, like that? Yeah, I, I, have, I have two that I've been tossing around. Okay. Um, can I share both? Absolutely. Okay. So the, the first is something I got actually relatively recently. Um, now, my family lives, uh, for, for the moment, lives abroad in Italy. Okay. Um, so I do a lot of, of traveling mm. during breaks to, to see them. And the travel is long, and it's kind of a multiple airport slog. Um, and I'm the kind of guy who needs to sleep with a, kind of, with a fan on for the, the little bit of white noise. So I downloaded this free fan app on my phone, and it has been an absolute lifesaver. Like I can't even count the amount of times this thing has knocked me unconscious. It's uh, amazing. It also helps to to focus on occasion on um, writing. If the, the, like my background's really loud or if I'm at a friend's house and like, Oh, I didn't do my 500 words today. I'll sit down and I can plug in the little fan app and it just gets that kind of like faint droning white noise. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one. And then the second is, uh, I, for the, God, the longest time, it was for like six months. I had this issue in my, my car's rear right door where every time the door unlocked, it made this extremely piercing buzzing noise. Uh, and it's because a little alternator in the, uh, in the, inside the door itself, a little, a little motor that like 
just pushes the lock thing up had died. Uh, so I had to order an entirely new one. Um, but I'm the kind of guy who either does something immediately or just pushes it off forever. And this was something that I unfortunately pushed off forever. So it's just been bothering me for so long. And eventually I finally broke down and I was like, all right, fine. I'm going to rip open the door. I'm going to put in this new little motor. Uh, and that I think was probably the single best purchase I've ever made uh, because the sheer volume of stress that lifted from my shoulders after, I mean, the, the, the ripping out the door itself, I had to like rip all the paneling off and like unscrew the entire door and mm -hmm. put this tiny little motor in. And that took like two hours, but man, it felt so relaxing afterwards to be best, able to sit back and unlock the car. <laughs> yes. And not hear this just horrible droning buzzing every time I unlock the car. <laughs> See, I would say those two fan app and the little new alternator for the door. That's awesome. I, I, I like the, I like what you mentioned about the fan app is like how you, it, it helps you get to sleep in a lot of different areas, but yeah. then also it's good to use as background or if, if you're writing, when you were saying that I started to laugh, you probably saw it on the video. Like yeah. I started to laugh a little, the imagery that was popping through my head when you saw that, when you said that was you said it, you know, you sitting down writing, you turn on your fan app and then you just nosedive into your keyboard. That just That is a pass. real issue. And it's happened. It's almost happened to me a couple times. So I have to be very careful. I have to be very awake if I'm using the fan app. Otherwise I'm out. If it's late at night, I'm comatose. It's over. Gotcha. That's, that's awesome. Well, Aiden, um, I really appreciate you coming on the show. If people that are listening want to buy the book or just sort of follow along in your path, what you're doing with book number mm -hmm. two or any other thing, projects that you're working on, like where can people find you, follow you, like you, whatever it might be. Uh, I actually have a website. Okay. Um, it's literally just AidenMcGath.com. Somehow okay. I secured that web handle. Um, so yes, it's just AidenMcGath.com. That has information on um, my books, On has a little about me section if you want to, I don't know, read a little more about me. Um, it has a link to, I don't have a lot on my book Twitter account. But I have a Twitter, and I think it links to my personal Instagram. Okay, which is which is a ride. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I believe so. Yes. Okay. All right. That sounds great. Yeah. But Aiden, thank I, you, I, yeah, Jason, so much for having me on. I really genuinely appreciate it. This has been a great talk. No problem, man. You too. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. I really enjoyed that conversation with Aiden. I hope you did as well. Really quick before you go, uh, go over to smallmoves.co and sign up for the email list. Like I mentioned, we started the Small Moves Book Club this month, and I send out a recommendation for a book that I have read once a month with some background details on it. It's really something that I'm enjoying doing so far, and I really hope that you guys will go ahead and check it out. And then also, don't forget to subscribe to the show, because I have some really great guests that are coming up soon. So whatever medium you're listening to Small Moves on right now, whether it be Overcast or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or whatever it might be, go ahead and click subscribe so that you get the upcoming episodes as well. That would be really helpful. Thank you so much again for coming and listening to the show. Thanks to Aiden for coming on the show. And I look forward to talking at you guys again next time around. Thanks a lot for listening. I appreciate you. You've got this. You've got this.